Packers. We're getting ready to talk about the win of the century. All right. Well, at least the year. All right. So for the Thunder, (laughs) we just smashed the shit out of the Nuggets in Denver. Okay. After beating them, now we have handed them their last two losses. So this is really inspirational. So to me, it's like they knew they were going to get a really good team and they couldn't do anything about it because we were that good tonight. Um, David came down to one quarter, baby. You know, and I, I think that's the one of those those things that if you look at it, um, <clears throat> I'm going to be posting a little bit later on the shorts. Mm-hmm. The uh, thing I'm going to be posting is going to be Sugar coming, Joker. Baby. Joker talking about Shea Gilge's Alexander and this Thunder team. Like, I think there's a time period where when teams start looking at you and they start saying, this team's for real. Um, and every single time we look up something about this Oklahoma City Thunder team, they all say it, guys. They're all like, this team is for real. This team isn't a joke. Shea's for real. Uh, Shea's one of the best players in the league. Um, Chet's one of the best defenders in the league. You've got the rookie of the year candidate. You've got a possibly sixth man of the um, year candidate with Isaiah Joe. And it's just so much information going out right now about this team. And I know that's you know speaking a lot about Isaiah Joe, but listen, we saw what he could do in 10 games. You give that guy the month of January to get hot, and when he gets hot in January, he's going to be averaging 15, 16, 17 points a game. And there's going to be nobody that will be able to stop him. So the progression in this team that's happened like in such a short amount of time is truly spectacular because we're talking about one of the hardest stretches, one of the hardest stretches in the season for this team, and we went 5-1, and one, beating the Clippers, who were on a what? Nine-game win streak? Eight-game win streak? And then we beat Denver last night. That was on a six-game win streak. They haven't lost since the last time we played them. Mm-hmm. And they were on a you know, roll like, when we beat them last time. And I know. This is insane, guys. Don't forget the Timberwolves, right? What's up, Keith, Keelan, Jordan? What's up, guys? Man, it's good to see you guys. I mean, think about it. We're beating the best teams, right? And Think about best it. Like, also, the Pistons. Let's not get distracted too much. But, but they they oh. almost beat the best team in the NBA to avoid that. I mean, man, what? A, okay, let's get back to the Thunder though. Let's let's get back to the Thunder. All right, dude. You um, remember? Remember? Uh, I'm gonna stop in there. There was okay. Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Okay, guys, there are Oklahoma City Thunder podcasts that were saying that the Detroit Pistons were in better shape than the Oklahoma City Thunder oh, yeah. last year. Last year. All right, remember guys, that K- and Cade for shake combo like okay so anyways going back to what what's happening in oklahoma city right now because what we saw last night and let's just be honest our our offense was great but our defense was pure domination 25 points off of turnovers from them and it was just unbelievable it was easy it looked like it was like we were playing a jv team essentially the way that we're stealing the ball case and wallace getting blocks shay getting blocks and getting up the court j-dub getting i mean it was just insane like it was insane like every which way every angle we just kept on giving it to them and they kept on saying mercy and we just didn't care we didn't care dude we got we didn't care 10 steals and eight blocks so some saying, man, and, and, and our blocks, dude, not just what? that, not just that, but I guarantee you, I don't even know what the offensive boards were, but I guarantee you they were in single digits on the offensive boards and we were in double digits. We beat right. a team in offensive boards last night. And, and that's the thing is like, this is we the way 10. this team played. I don't know what they had, but we had 10 and what do they have? It, we never, we never had moments where, um, right, they I'm were just like up. rebounding the ball and it felt like they're picking on us. And the last, yeah. uh, well, the first game of the season, oh my gosh. Dude, they look—they look so much better. So they've just 
beasted us, bro. It was like, holy shit, this, this, is, we maybe we're not quite ready for it yet. You know, that kind of feeling. They had but five offensive boards last night, bro. There we go, baby. And, you know, we don't do anything crazy on offensive rebounds. Like, we stop fast breaks and we still get offensive rebounds. That's a really important thing because usually it's one or the other. Um, you got to Some give money. something. If you can have your cake and eat it too, motherfucker, you better believe we're going to do that. And that's what we get here. I- you know, there's been so many people that have been criticizing the Oklahoma State Thunder rebounding. And, and I'll be honest with you, I, I, I've been there too because there's been times that it's been super embarrassing when you look at the 20 plus offensive boards or 15 plus offensive boards that a team has gotten on us. But one thing that I kept on saying, and Mark and I would discuss off of the, you know, offline, would be Mark Degnot needs to have more time coaching these guys because if he can have an opportunity to coach these guys up and get them to be a better, version of themselves they're going to be incredible and i think that's one of the things that we're seeing is coach d's having more opportunity to get these guys to understand rebound and what we watched last night was the swarming of the defensive boards unlike i've seen in a long time and and you can say the same thing about um against the wolves too and and you're seeing the way that we're getting at the boards and the way that coach d is being able to coach up these guys for that i think that has a lot to do with the fact that we had a very easy december and I think it's one of those opportunities that we have an opportunity to get into the um, um, uh, gym and really focus on what we need to do in January because January is going to be crazy. But if we're playing like we did um, last night and the night before, it's not going to be very uh, a very difficult month for us. And I, I say that with the, the most you know, like respect to the rest of the teams in the league. But if we're going to continue to put up guys that are putting up 70 points uh, between two guys, it's, I mean, who's going who's gonna to fuck around with that shit, bro? All right, guys, you ready for this? Let's talk about the man himself, Shea Gilgis Alexander. 33 minutes, 40 points, 14 of 20 shooting, (laughs) 2 for 3 from behind the arc, 10 of 10 from the free throw line, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and 1 block. I mean, I feel like, what do you... Dude's not human. This is just who this dude is. I... I think there's a moment in everybody's like vocabulary where you start saying one of the NBA greats of this mm-hmm. generation. Um, I think one of those things that like, um, I, I love it when Shaq was calling out um, uh, Chet Holgram, right? The other day, I don't know if you guys saw this, if you haven't seen see it, it no. you need to look it up. Um, Shaq was basically like, prodigy my ass. You got to earn that shit. I like that. Like, don't, you know, let Chet earn that before he gets the respect, right? But on the same sense is that watching what Shea's doing, I think it's one game that he's had under 30 points this season. And you start mm-hmm. understanding more of, of, of how he's able to control the game and his mid-range um, shot and the way that he gets to any spot he wants and beats anybody to that spot. And then you start understanding is like, there's not a better guard in the league. I mean, people might say Luka is a better offensive player than Shea. And you know what? By all means, I, you know what? I'm not going to argue with you. Because I'm not gonna, you're not gonna argue with me about Shea being the better defender, you know. And Shea's such a better defender that uh, washes out the difference in the offensive aspect. And you got to look at Shea as the premium um, offensive guard and the premium defensive guard in the league. And how many times in the history of the game have we been able to say that about a player? You know, it's not many times. But that's I mean, why I'm not thinking- very often. That's why, like, you keep putting up these incredible posts, these stats, and everything, dude. And here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I want to see. I want to see all-time greats that he compares to, because 
you, you're saying greats of his generation. And I'm just sitting here and I'm thinking like, regardless of well, age, regardless of whatever, just pure mastery of the game. Like you're talking about just a handful, like maybe, maybe 50, bro, maybe 40 players years. have ever reached the level that he's playing right now. Like I know that some people like weren't even hall of fame worthy. Cause they had maybe like a Don Mattingly style, style career where they had great, couple of years mvp level years but then it was like not really the the career numbers to get there and baseball's real sticklers about that but like shay really doesn't need that many more years before you would consider him a hall of famer it's kind of like reminds me of russ right well, by russ's seventh year they were saying future hall of famer eighth year they were saying surefire future hall of famer because of what he was putting up like shay's doing that and it's just like how many years does he need what year is this for him for you say like, yeah, at five. year seven, fifth year, fifth year. Okay. So at year seven, yeah, you're going to be saying future hall of famer, Shea Gillis, Alexander, all time. Great. Shea Gillis, Alexander. I mean, I don't see any, anything that's separating him from the truly elite players going all the way back when they reach that point where they're at the pinnacle of the game, like Clyde Drexler, like everybody wants to go to Michael Jordan, but like ignore Michael Jordan and think about well, the other 49 greatest of the 50 or the other 75 of the top 76 players ever and think how many of them were really as good as Shea is right now not all of them I'll say that right now I mean you, you got to look at this though and, and and this is Charles Barkley or Kenny Smith one of those douchebags that said Barkley it. wasn't as um, good as Shea but this is the re- but but this is this is the what I've heard them say multiple times about different players it's consistency through the years in order for Shea to be up there in the pinnacle of of the league, he's going to have to have 10 straight years of this consistency. And, and I'm Fine. sorry, like, like to consistency, 10, like, look at, if you look at the league and you look at domination of guards, you've got to have 10 dominant years of a guard. And then you've got to have five or six sub years. And the thing about that is you'll be known as one of the best guards in, um, ever to play the game. If you hold the numbers that Shea's right. holding. But, right, so and that's the thing is, is just that's like, what Shea wants. Shea's not con- I'm content with being one of the greatest of the generation. He wants to be known as one of the greatest ever. And so right. when I, we look at Shea's consistency and the fact that he's not playing very many minutes and doing what he's doing, then you got to stay take a step back and say, I bet you guys fucking money that he can do this for 15 years. And if he can do this for 15 years, are we talking about a situation where Shea's knocking on that door of? Yes. whatever records yes. of scoring records, top yes. five scores of all time, top three scores of all time. Are we, yes. are we, that's yes. what we're talking about. Yes, yes, it is. Because if you can do that for 15 years, he's going to be one of the greatest of all time. It's, it's it really becomes up to the player, right? They make so much money um, that at any point, if they are experience a overwhelming amount of adversity, they can walk away. It's always admirable when you see a guy like Reggie Jackson or Cameron Payne, fall out of the nba and make it back right but like when you're a great player that you don't fall out and make it back like you stick with it as like vince carter did as long as you can and you just keep racking up those numbers and you make it to the hall of fame then there are players like lebron who are they cover the greatness from the beginning of their career to the end and and really were there any years where lebron averaged 40 no but there the level of play where he was just so cons- I'm just going to make up his career stats. And I think I've watched him play for long enough. I'm going to go with something around like not career, but like career of the MVP style. It was always 28 and a half, right? Eight rebounds, seven assists, you know, like that's how he played the game. And mm-hmm. when you think about like what Shea plays the game, like, and when you say like Shea's career average, when he was at his prime, 
you're talking about 33 points, eight assists, seven, eight assists, right? And about five rebounds. But here's the other thing, right? And this is what you keep talking about, right? Plus two steals, plus yeah. one block, plus yeah. the fact that he's shooting 50, 40, 90. You know what I mean? Plus you go like that. And like I know, okay, okay, you're giving him 40% from three. This guy's not at that level. All right, all right fine. Give him some time because greatness is progression. Greatness is commitment. We're going to see this. Let's, look, we've been talking about Shea a lot. You mentioned Chet. So I'll, I'll let you say, you can t- say what else you want about Shea. You can jump to Chet. But what do you want to talk about? All right, no, I'm going to talk about Shea for 10 more seconds than I want to talk okay. about Chet because what we saw right, last night was crazy with Chet. Um, but with Shea, though, is you as a basketball fan, as me as a basketball fan, like there's moments in our time that we look at a player and we're still not willing to say a great we're just not willing to pull that out of our ass right but as oklahoma city thunder fans i think there's a moment that we have to pull back and say we've seen a great we've seen a couple greats we've seen a few greats in this but have we ever seen a great to shay's caliber and that's where we have to stop and we have to truly think about it because i have to say is i think shay's the best player that's ever put on the oklahoma city thunder jersey and I know that's KD. I know that you got Westbrook, but you're looking at an all-around player that's destroying the NBA. Like Russ couldn't do what he's doing, uh, what uh, Shea's doing with the team that Shea has. Like the team that Shea has around him is built so perfectly for him, and what he needs to be successful is why we're seeing what's happening. This goes right back to the front office. This goes back to the coaching staff of coaching these guys, and and Keelan. I just put up a short just before we got on here of the, the J will um, block and then immediate um, 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 offensive charge that he drew, right? Like these are the type of guys and the type of players that coach D and Sam Presti have put around um, Shea so that they get these hustle plays. They, they make the game easier for him. They put the ball in his hands 20 seconds earlier than they should be. And you're looking at this opportunity for Shea to be known as one of the greats of this generation. And as an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, I am no longer willing to sit here and be like, nah, you know, he's got a couple of years before we can call him one of those because I'm a super yeah. fan. And Shea well, is proving to me that he's one of the best guards in the league right now. And in the league that we have Steph Curry in there still, we have Luca still there. We have all these other guys that Dame, Damian Lillard that are just great and going to be in the Hall of Fame. And yet we're still saying that Shea's better than all of them. And, and that's where we're at. Like, because Shea is at a different league than everybody else in the, in the league right now as far as guards. And it's yeah. just, it's, it's, it's not only impressive. It's one of those things that I just t- tap my hat. Okay. No, no, no. Enough Shea love. No, no, enough, we're enough not, we're, I got to say some, some more stuff about Shea now, okay? Listen, because what you're saying, I, can't, I couldn't agree with more. And I'm thinking about, like, why is it that we feel this way about Shea when we have seen guys like KD and Russ, um, clearly all-time greats. And what I think the feeling with Shea comes down to for me is his mastery of the game, right? Like, mm. there's a level that Russ played at, right? And it was incredible. Like, we would see 50-point mm. triple-doubles. But there was mm. a lack of, like, mastery of um, the moment when it felt like he would just kind of go throw the ball out of bounds or something like it. Would, and, like, I love Russ as much as anybody. Very few people could do what he did. But, like, Shea plays within himself, and we didn't see that with Russ. And it, Russ did great things. It was incredible. It was the most exciting adrenaline rush. But he would have ever games where he had for. like ten turnovers. Right, exactly. And, and and it was like it was just like you got to take the good with the bad. And everybody had one way or the other. They looked at it, but you don't say that with Shea, okay? And then you go back to KD, and you're like, okay, what KD did was great, right? But 
if you had to say KD was your only good player, right? Teams could play to his weaknesses so well that they could take him essentially out of the game. And we've seen that happen with the Thunder whenever Russ so got much. injured in the playoffs. We saw it happen um, wherever Golden he's gone afterwards. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, Golden so, State was able to get him, and then they were able right, to lose him. So Right. And so what I look at is, like, Shea's game is flawless. That's it. That's all yeah, I got. I mean, I think I think you 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 look at players, and you got to say Shea is uh, – Proving his his worth in gold, and but again, you got to look at the rest baby. of the team. Flawless diamonds, bitches. Up. When that's you have a got. guy, when you got have a guy that starts the game, right, man, that starts the game scoring your first ten points, it makes the game easier for you, right? Chet starting the game ten points in a row. I mean, think about that. Like to have a guy on oh your staff that can play with you, that can dominate the game in such a quick fashion. And then all of a sudden, make it so the that shorts, they have Dave. to focus on Chet. They go like, "We got to focus on Chet, otherwise he's going off for forty points." And they're like, "Wait, what about Shea? Well, now it's too late because he's hot. He's yeah. hot now. Let's, like let me, Murray could not handle him. You know, everybody could not handle him." Chet's stats for you, real quick, and then I'm going to hand it back to you. Okay, so in 28 minutes, he had 24 points, nine of 14 shooting, four of four from deep, two of two from the free throw line, six rebounds, three assists, and two blocks. And 20 points, I think, came in the first half, Dave. Like, yeah, it was incredible. Um, We don't win this game without Chet. And I know we won it by so much that you're like, how, you know, whatever, maybe we could win it without Chet. No, he kept us in it in the first half. In the first quarter, like you said, 10 points, Dave, like all by himself. Shea, where was Shea in the first half? It was like slow start, no big deal. He got his thing done. But he also understood Chet was cooking, bro. He was cooking. And just let him have it. I mean, that's where if you look at, you know, J-Dub's nine assists last night, you know, like, you know, listen, people are going to look at J-Dub's points and say 11 points, right? But he scored uh, nine assists? of the 11 in that fourth or third or fourth quarter, in the third yeah. and fourth quarter. Like, like he, when Shea was out of the game, he dominated. And, and then he had the that, nine that assists. Lineup, that beginning of the fourth and quarter And then he was had that special. nine assists, man, right? Nine that nine assists assist that went with it that he had, I think, four to Chet, right? Think about that. Four assisted chat. You think the connection is crazy. Mm-hmm. And then he had a few to shake. You know, like, like he essentially was like, I scored 36 points last game. And my goal this game is to share the rock. I'm going to share it to everybody I possibly can. Because there's a couple times he could have taken the shot and been selfish and had an open shot. But he passed it to Chet who went wide open, you know, or, or Shea wide open. His unselfish play is allowing everything else to go around. And then you're looking at it and saying, well, he still dominated because he hit two threes in a row. And then he hit a layup, right? Like, dude, like, in, the, like, what was it, like a 25, well, it was not 25 seconds. It was like a two-minute section of time that he did that. It was like, bang, bang, bang. And you just see what he can do in such a short amount of time, and you're like, okay, yeah, this guy's different. And the way that he drives to the hole, his pull-up shot, the way that he shot the three over this guy last night, like, it was like, what the hell, man? Like, like I'm telling you guys, when he starts clicking and he's able to be consistent every single night, people will literally say, Jalen Brown who? Because he'll be so much better at that small forward position than Jalen Brown will ever be that people will literally be like, the Oklahoma City Thunder wanted Jalen Brown. They wanted Jalen Brown when he was coming out of college. They never got him. But they got a, a player, in my opinion, that could be better than him by a long shot. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, those nine assists, that just stands out in a big way. Because like you said, 36 points last night. And he comes back 
Boom. Um, all right. So we got Josh Dor- Giddy. Oh, Josh Giddy, man. Let's get Giddy. I was going to tease. Yeah, Dor- got to get Giddy, man. Giddy. But let's, all right, let's talk about Giddy because I've been thinking about Giddy's game a lot. You know, like, you know who I think he needs to study in college? J.J. Redick. The way that J.J. Mm. Redick would get booed every opposing arena, like, he just got used to it. You know, we, we were shared that little short with each other where J.J.'s, like, walking out of the crowd and someone is like, Interstellar sucks! And he, like, stops and he's like, I got to hand it to you. F- I got to hand it to you. That was good. You got me. And, like, it was like J.J. Redick, seeing him get yelled at and booed, it's something that was just so regular that he even has got to the point where he just ignores it. I mean, one time I was heckling Shane Battier at the Thunder Arena and he ignored it like Duke players are used to being hated everywhere yeah. they go. And JJ, I mean, Josh Giddy's dad was hated everywhere he went. Warwick was, except for at, his, at home. Warwick and, was fucking hated, bro. Right? He had so that I think he just needs to lean into it. And I think I saw, I've seen him kind of start feeding off of it he's a little uncomfortable with it because let's face hmm. it he's not like the, the guy who wants to be hated but what like he the way he's been attacking the basket is different and his game is sort of like he's sort of found it again it's i'm not exactly sure it's going to be consistent but since his ankle injury like what I've, I've noticed with him is just so much more confidence okay we're talking about 12 points he led the starters with rebounds with eight four assists one steal just a consistent level of output from Playing outstanding man. Yeah. And, and he had some uncharacteristic turnovers. Um, one of them was on an inbounds pass, Dave. And just <laughs> think about this. Like, okay. For, for, his, for all the risks he takes on inbounds players, he's, he's made himself the slob wizard of the NBA. And very shortly, I'm not kidding. He will be the known as the greatest inbound passer ever because there is very few people who carve up defenses like that. There's just like historically just not many. Usually you give it to coaches and you say coaches inbounds plays or what, but very few players do make the play. So he's not far from going to be the greatest of all time in that. I think five years of it will all be all it takes before him to take the assist record. Okay. So then what happens with Giddy is he throws an inbounds pass turnover. And I think, was, I don't think I've seen one of those this year. Not, uh, he's not had a one live or two ball. This year. I think he's thrown the ball out of bounds a couple of times. Yeah. But an actual live ball, like somebody picked yeah, it off, yeah. it doesn't happen. And it's just like, no. that's really amazing from, from a player who takes as many risks as he does. I mean, this, is, this guy knows what he's doing. He knows how to put the ball in the spot that players want it. Um, and it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch. It is, and 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 we've been saying it for a while. Is Josh is a special player? Uh, we're lucky to have Josh on our team. The way that he creates a bucket out of nothing is is great. Um, you know, I do feel bad for him for all the the shit that he's been having to go through. Um, I think that it goes to the fact that when you look at Twitter and you look at the deep dark troll hole, like that's just the way it goes, man. Like you've got you've got to be smart and you got to be smart in this in this world and unfortunately josh hit a situation that now for a few years he's going to be booed in every stadium he goes to and guess what that's just going to feed the thunder because when you're talking about somebody having that chip you can talk about the the uh i hate using this name but grayson allen you're talking yeah. about the um uh, christian leitners right those type of players that learn how to play within the, the, the dirty atmosphere of the booze and the name calling and different things like that, like you're, you're able to separate yourself, right? You're able to bring yourself to a different level. 
level of and competition. Those are the levels that when when the shit hits the fan and you're, everybody's playing really bad, right? Those are the levels that, that Josh Giddy and these other guys that are used to it will be able to step up. You know, and I, and that's how it is. Like, you know, I I look at Josh Giddy and I say that this time that the the December time period has been so good for him. His injury, he came back stronger. He came back ready to go. I think he missed uh, a game and yeah, it wasn't much. Not many, yeah, not many days. Um, but he came back stronger in knowing what his role was. He's taken one three in two games. Um, he's you know scored incredibly efficiently. Um, he knows what he is expected out of him. It's like the whole time coach locked him into a, a room and said, watch game film, nothing else. This is what you're doing wrong. I want you to see it so that way you can be better at it. And it's like he understood what his role was now. I like it. And this is what we've been saying all along is his defense has got to step up. His rebounding has got to step up. And the way that he gets up the court and he passes the ball and he takes over the offense has got to slightly step up because there's indecision that, that hurt him. I also say the last couple of games we've used Mischich in a very effective way when That's Josh Giddy's not to on talk the floor. About too. That when Josh Giddy's not on the floor, we're putting Mischich out there, and he's and he's going out there and he's creating so many hockey assists and so many like great, great um, basketball plays. And People I think it's know. it's huge to see how these guys are going. Yo, this guy can actually shoot the ball. Like I get that his percentages <sighs> would would absolutely debate that just the existence of those percentages. I don't know what they are. I don't care to look because it's unimportant to me. I've yeah. seen his body of work, not the entirety of it. Many people know much more about his game, but the people who know about his game and when you watch what he did, he's not just a shooter. He's a clutch shooter. It's taking him time to figure out the NBA, okay? Mm. And he said something that I think is really interesting is like, you know, we've heard a lot of people talk about the NBA has a lot more space than European leagues, than even like college game and stuff like that. And some mm. players can really do well with that space. The, the problem is, Mitch has mentioned, is that the players are so much more athletic and they're so much taller that that space just gets swallowed up in no time. So that's something he's had a little trouble understanding is like there is more space, but it's gone mm. before he knows what to do with it. And he looks like he doesn't know how to play the game at an elite level um, when he's sure. struggling with that. But when he's not, when he's really deliberate, when he knows what he's trying to do and he uses ball fakes and he gets the ball to where it needs to go and the ball's swinging from side to side. Let's talk about the fourth quarter starting out lineup. We're talking about Michich, Wallace. I think we had J-Dub out there. We had Chet J-Will. out there. J-Will. J-Will start. J-Will, J-Will. not Chet. Not Chet and J-Will and probably Joe, right? Um, it was, you know, yeah, but my point is, Michich as a part of that group where yeah. the ball, like if you don't have Giddy in the game, then you need Michich. It can stay almost. Right. And if you got me and you got chat, some, it can be really fascinating what can happen because teams have sort of figured out how they're going to guard all of the um, pick and roll combinations that we use with the starting lineup. But then you start going into that bench lineup and you say like, oh, now we're going to make their seventh or eighth best defender mix up with chat in a pick and roll. Hmm. How are you going to handle that? You know what yeah. I mean? And that's what I feel like gets really fascinating. And if me figures out his shot, no, no, I'll, t- I'll back this up. Based on what I know about him, I'll say this. When he figures out his shot, this team is going to be so much better. So much better oh, yeah. because oh, you yeah. go down this list and it's like, how do you comprehend our depth? And, and here's one thing I think that being fans of other great other teams in the NBA before the Thunder arrived and stuff like that gives us an advantage over a lot of people who only have watched the Thunder as the great teams is like, 
if you only have paid attention to the Thunder, you would think you only need eight players in the playoffs. Okay, but the reality is, I'll let you tell. How many players do you really need to make it to be healthy in the finals? Well, first of all, let's just, let's just break this up. Let's talk about the first half of the season. Let's talk about the second half. And let's right, talk yeah, about... There's a lot of... All right. Yeah. Um, so your first half of the season, you really need 12 deep. You really need to have enough players that you can allow your, your um, starters to get as much break as possible. Yeah. The second half of the season, you need to have 10 deep. Okay? And we're seeing that with Sam Presti's what he's willing to do in these, these lineups and stuff like that. You need to be 10 deep. You need to have... That, that 10 guys that you can count on because a lot of that's going to be kind of crunch time. And then you've got playoff time, right? A lot of people are convinced that seven, eight guys is the top amount of players that you want to play during playoff time. And that's where I disagree with. Because I think playoff time is going to be a lot of mixture of a game that you're going to realize you can't win and you want to rest guys and a game that you can realize that you can win and you're going to press it. Those are the games that you look back down the list and you're saying, these are the guys that I'm looking at right now. And I'm saying, you need to get more playing time. And we got six guys here. We got Jay Will, Kenny Hustle, Isaiah, Joe, Aaron Wiggins, Mischich, and Kaysen Wallace. When you have those guys that are putting double figures in minutes, you know you're doing well. And we have to go back to that every single time is that when we're going 11 deep into this right here, this team is doing really great things. And Kaysen Wallace, Mischich, Aaron Wiggins, Isaiah Joe, Kenny Hustle, and my favorite bench player this season is Jalen Williams, man. Like what he did last night is eight rebounds. He had a block. He had a steal. He had four assists. He spread the ball around. He wasn't selfish. And he got charges after a block. I mean, the dude's everywhere, man. And he hasn't got a a significant amount of playing time in the last couple of games. And he got 17 minutes. um, Hip injury, I think, is what they're saying. 17 minutes. And he's one of the most effective guys on the court in that 17 minutes. Like the eight rebounds that he had were all rebounds that they would have had offensive boards if he wasn't there. You know, Chet could have probably got those boards, but the wide body and the way he boxes out is, is truly spectacular. And again, it's why, why we were able to control the boards last night. So I want to say something about Mwani answered the um, question there with eight or nine men deep in the postseason, which is true. If um, you're talking about the final series or like the conference finals. Okay. First of all, second of all, you need to be healthy eight or nine, right? So a lot of times to get to that point, you've lost a few players along the way. You need to have been 12 deep beginning the playoffs usually. Yeah. And each round you're going to lose a couple of guys. Hopefully they're not your critical pieces. And, the, and those guys hopefully can come back as the sure. season goes on. And yes, coaches will shorten the rotation in game seven, game six, game five, elimination games to eight. But there's a sure. lot of assumption that you can make the make it to the finals with eight guys. You can't. Like Dave's saying, there's so many levels of the game. There's so many um, sections of the season that you have to like be capable of entering the postseason with at least eight guys that the coach counts on when the, when the rotation tightens up. And who those guys are going to be and stuff like that, you don't know. And that's why I look at the way coach was rotating everybody and still getting the end of our Different bench scenarios. so many minutes. And we're, and we're not yeah. giving up on guys. We're not giving yeah. up on guys just because they have bad games or bad weeks or even bad months. We're saying we can still use this guy. We've got to help them continue to develop. Coach is committed to that. He's doing an excellent job. I've never seen a team in the situation this team is in. Like, Dave, we're second in the West. I want to talk about standings a little bit here. 21-9. and nine. January, we mentioned, is going to be a killer. We've won three in a row, um, we're, and we're two games back from the Timberwolves. Um, but... We've talked about this a lot. Like, we don't, 
feel like the Timberwolves are really like that's that's not what we're afraid of. I, listen, I, I there's moments in in my life where I look at a team and I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to be a top tier team. And then there's times that I like look at a Clippers teams or a Wolves team and they're like one injury away from having complete turmoil in the locker room. You know. Yeah. And and that's the problem is that when you're when you're a, a drama filled team and it's why I love this Oklahoma City Thunder team so much is that it's a non drama drama area, like keep the drama out of the Oklahoma City Thunder. You know what I'm saying? The Wolves and the Clippers are full of drama, and they've got prima donnas, they got dramas, they've got everything else that you can ever imagine. It takes one scenario where somebody gets injured, they start losing three or four games in a row, and the next thing you know is the collapse happens. You know, we watched it with Pelicans. We've watched it, well, you know, with every fucking team in the NBA where they're like, man, this team is winning a lot. Now, it yeah. doesn't mean that they're not going to go out there and be a top four seed in the West because they could, you know, figure it out. But, you know, like, they got a bunch of games against Memphis still, and I think that's going to be an issue for them. Yo, we got some questions, dude, in the chat here. Um, All right. Chris says, why do you think Bretons isn't getting any playing time? You think maybe yes, there's a trade I got something up? about that. Okay, right. Bertans is an automatic offensive piece. He's going in the game. He's getting three or four shots off immediately. A lot of times when Coach D uses him, it's to uh, you jumpstart an offense that is not going well. All right. And he puts him in the game. He shoots a lot. He gets the offense flow going back again. And then he comes out of the game. That's yeah. what he's used for. He doesn't dribble. Um, a I lot, know that. So that's one of the nice things about yeah, the way I mean, he gets to this part. shots. Yeah. yeah. Like when we have to take a quick shot, you know, he's going in the game. And, and, that, and that's the thing is that like, like I, I'm cool with him being used like that, but last night when we weren't having trouble scoring and there wasn't like a long period of time where we were on a drought, uh, there was no need for him. And when it was the fourth quarter and we're like, you know, let's get the scrubs in the game. There, again, there's no need to put Bertans out there because all he's going to do is touch the ball and shoot it. You know, and sometimes you need to to get down that that shot clock down. And and to me, like it, it's not big. I, I do think that there is something to say about Trey Mann and Bertans. Um, if there was going to be a trade that the Thunder were going to pick up an extra draft pick or pick up an extra piece that they might be able to use that's more of a veteran. Um, Bertans and Trey Mann are obviously the two players are the odd men out right now um, that you don't see him playing a lot that, you know, if there was a trade, I would be circling those two young men and saying possibly, but I'm not willing to to put in on a piece on any of that stuff yet because Trey Mann is is destroying the G League when he plays. So um, I'm not not too sure. We're not going to- What's up, buddy? We're not gonna we're not gonna lose a player that's good for team camaraderie, and that's one of the things that I understand Trey Mann is really good with. So yeah. that that yeah. I just think is is something we'll put on hold right now. Um, Shane wants you to know: Do you think the playoffs we could start with J Will and J Dub? So J Will at the power forward, J Dub at the small forward. Do you think we get that starting lineup? Um, this is that's why at I Dort, don't think, well, that's at Dort's expense, right? Well, all right. If Dort is injured, then yes, I could see that. But then again, I think if Dort was injured, I think we'd see Case and Wallace step up in that starting position because Case and Wallace and Dort's defense are, are so crucial for Shea and J Dub not to have to guard the best player on the, the court. So for me, like I, I have to say, like Dort is by far one of the most valuable players that we have on this team because he picks up the best defender and he's not going to demand a lot of shots. I think he took six or seven shots last night. He's not going to demand a lot of that stuff. He's going to pass the ball. He's he's proven to be unselfish now. Like he's not one of those guys that's a detriment to the offense because he can put up twenty points very easily. So, like I I just have to say is Dort at my moment 
in, in time, it's, it's hard to even get close to saying anything negative about Dort. I just love, I love him. And I think that we should, as, as a group, just be comfortable with him starting until he no longer plays for the Oklahoma city thunder, which I don't know how long will be because his, his contract is so team friendly, bro. I mean, it really is. Remember when people thought it was a bad deal. All right. Anyway, um, <laughs> I want to leave this right here. If we get more questions, that's fine. We can jump off that. I, but I'm thinking this no, might be the we got best questions. place to stop. We got I got, I got one more. Hang on. This is the one that's a wet dream. Okay. All right. Who are you picking? Okay, see. Or boss. Now, I'm not saying in what. What? I'm not saying in what. I'm just saying maybe there could be a seven-game series on the horizon. Okay, see, Boston. Who are you picking, bro? All right. Who are you picking, um, bro? Here, this, is, this is the reality of the situation. If Oklahoma City Thunder makes it to the championship and play against the Boston Celtics. I'm, I didn't say we'd be in the championship. I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm saying, I don't I'm wanna, going out there. I don't want to talk about if, that. That's a little presumptuous. If Oklahoma City Thunder I I think we're talking about play against an East team in a seven-game series. Yes, if that happens. Any of the East teams. Any of the teams in the East. Any of the teams in the East, we win 4-2. Okay. Now, here's my thing I want to say. And this always gets me in trouble when I admit it. But I have not seen the Celtics play this year. And Dude, they're just injury prone, but they're here's injury the prone. And like, we play so physical. Are they better? I don't know the answer to this. How much better are they with Przingis? Cause I assume that they are better. Um, and I don't know. I haven't seen Dude, them play. So I can't answer we the were question. In the East, and so I don't if feel we were qualified, in the East. but I will say this. We have a better team top to bottom than I've ever seen in Oklahoma city before. I'll just say that. But that, that's my belief. All right. The, the way that we beat a team in a seven-game series, in my opinion, is by the same way we beat teams in the regular season. We play that physical aspect. We consistently do the, the rotations that we do. We, we never let up. The physical, physicality that we've seen in the last few games, the Chet physicality that nobody expected, like we can dominate teams in the East just by doing that. And that's why for me, when I'm looking at the West and I'm saying the West is our biggest threat to getting through, it just is. It's breaking through is going to be the most difficult is going to be the West because when it comes down to the East, and yes, the Celtics will be good for many, many more years. Um, but. Milwaukee's got a couple more years left before they start dealing with injury and old ass people. And that's it. You know, like, so the Celtics, man, I guess you could say Orlando in a few years will be like that. But I'm telling you right now, if Oklahoma city makes it to an, uh, seven game series to an East team, there's not a chance in hell that they'd win more than two games. Not a chance. Not, I know they've been there. I know they know what it feels like to be there, but there's not a chance in hell that they win more than two games because the reality of what this Thunder team can do and the way that they shut off, it's like you, when you turn off a hose, man, right? And you need a little bit more water and the hose like is literally fucking turned off. Like that's how our defense is. Like they literally turn off the hose and they can't do anything. And you look at our schedule, man, look at, we played East teams. I guarantee we've lost what one game against the East teams this year. So we're like seven and one against these teams. That's not, that's not some purpose, man, because we're so much better physical, physically and I mean, talented and every aspect we're better. 
there's this there's this idea, right, that history relates to um, the future, like that somehow the Celtics would have an advantage because they have um, experience in the finals. They have yeah. what lost? I mean, like they, uh, but the, they have more championship banners in their arena. Sometimes people think, well, being from one of these great teams actually gives you an advantage. But I, I would say this. I would say if you're a team that has been known to underachieve, it can mm. become a weight. And if you yeah. enter a situation with a team like, just say, a young upstart team that doesn't quite know how good they are, but they aren't afraid of the moment, and you have come to maybe become afraid of the moment because everybody's talking this stupid way like they do in Boston about your, like what they expect from you and every year's a failure if you don't get a championship, and then here come this young team. This team that doesn't know what they're capable of, but they know they want to be great. And they know what it takes to be great. And they're locked in. And they're locked in mm. at a different level. And they're healthy. And they're competitive. And their coach, they really love their coach. And their coach understands the X's and O's. And he's an elite in-game coach. And he, and he can lead this team. I think what we're talking about is actually an advantage for the young team. I don't think that all the weight of all those championships would actually automatically lift a, a, a team like that up. I think my experience is that those things don't matter as much as you think they do. And in the moment, it's, a, it's better to be the villain against the evil empire because you're not really the villain, I guess. If the evil empire thinks you're bad, then you're actually the good guy. And that's what we, like this team would end up getting the weight of the rest of the world's support. And it would be like, yeah, I, Everybody wants to see this Cinderella story go to completion. And that would actually give us, I think, an advantage in that sense. So that's a lot of like, you know, the psychological game of it. Nobody really gives a fuck at this point. But I just don't buy the whole Celtics equal championship. Like, nah. At this point, this team is afraid of underachieving. They're very scared of that. And you can't be scared of underachieving and go on to win championships. It's too difficult to do both things. Yeah, I, I don't think this is a conversation we're ever going to stop having with anybody about this team because I think every year for the next 10 years, we're going to say that this team has an opportunity to make the um, championship. I think this is just the beginning part. And because Mark and I believe the way we believe, we believe way before anybody else, especially in the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder media, will ever say. And we're willing to put our you know, our podcast on the line for it because we believe in this team. We believe that this team is special. We believe that it has everything it needs to succeed. And that's why Mark and I are here. So we'll see you guys on the first or the second, but the new year we will be back guys. See you guys soon. We love you guys. Thanks for joining us.